Good morning. Well, it's been uh, some beautiful weather out there lately, hasn't it? And I just appreciate, well, I appreciate the Lord, the Lord in any weather, but it's just so much easier sometimes when it's this nice out. It's also a, a privilege today to, uh, to introduce you to my parents as well. Uh, my dad has been in the ministry, I won't say how long, because that would give away his age, but since before I was born. And, uh, and you know, they say you can really tell if a person practices what they preach uh, if you spend some serious time with them or even spend time with them in their home. And, and uh, my parents were willing to let me, they invited me to stay in their house for one time for, for about 18 years, right? And, uh, and I can tell you he's a man who practices what he preaches, and my mom is a woman of integrity too, and so it's just a pleasure to have you guys here. It's a special day because they are celebrating today 51 years of marriage. That's an exciting thing, and, and, uh, uh, and I'm sure there'll be many more years, and we're, we're thankful to the Lord for, uh, for, the, for my parents and for Monica's in-laws. We just love them to death, and, and we're glad that they're here today. They, uh, we're in Chicago sending off my brother, who's a missionary, who just uh, spent a year of furlough. He went back to Romania yesterday, right, or the day before? Or, or he's leaving tomorrow, so they went to say their goodbyes uh, to them, and so he'll be heading back to Romania. They're on their way back home, uh, and... Stop by to see us, and so we're glad to have them. You know, we've, I've really enjoyed my first couple of weeks here and getting to know the pastors better and getting to know the deacons, and we've had our first deacons meeting, and we all survived that, right? So it was a good time, and, and uh, it's really been exciting, and I just want to give you a little update on where we're, we're headed. Um, we're spending some time, especially as pastors, just evaluating where are we as a church, what, and what's uh, some of our strong points, and and what are some areas where we need to work on and grow? And especially we're looking at four areas. Evangelism, discipleship, leadership training, and mobilization, reproduction. And, uh, and we're, we'll put together a strategic plan and consultation with the deacons. And I don't know about you, but that's an exciting thing. To, to see where, the, where God is going to take this church. And we're doing that perfectly. So I would ask you to continue praying for your leaders, for your deacons, for your pastors, for me. As we, as we work together in that. Amen? Amen. That's an exciting thing. Well, today we're going to be uh, going back to uh, the book of Joshua. So let's go back to Joshua chapter 1. For those who weren't here last week, we'll just review quickly that we talked about how uh, God had promised all of these great things to Abraham. But one thing that they still had not had at this point was the promised land. But right as we're getting ready to enter the promised land, there's a change of leadership. And Moses dies... Joshua's taking place, and in the midst of all that transition, it can be a scary thing. But we saw three constants last week, three things that don't change in the midst of change that really could give us encouragement and hope. And one was the same promise. We had the promise of God's power with his people as he promised to give them the land, the same protection where God said that no one would be able to stand up against Joshua all the days of his life, and even the same promise of his presence where God said, I will be with you in the same way that I was with Moses. And and because of the focus on those things, they were able to, to move forward with confidence, with courage and, and strength, knowing that God was going to, to take care of them. But today we're going to talk about one thing, one essential thing, that Joshua had to do if he is going to have success. In fact, what would you do today if I were to tell you that today I am going to give you the secret of success? How would you respond? Most of you wouldn't even be faced, right? Because everyone promises the secret to success, 
right? Everyone, I mean, I looked it up online. I just wrote in secret to success, and there are hundreds of thousands of hits. There are, are hundreds of books written just on the topic of secrets to success, just in English. And so you get the idea. It's, it's out there. But you know what? That is what I'm going to present to you today, because it doesn't come from anyone's book. It comes from God's book. It comes from the book of Joshua. And you are going to see that there's one secret to success, one key to success, that if applied, will guarantee success by God's definition of success. Isn't that awesome? I mean, think about that. Uh, so let's, let's read. Uh, we'll be in uh, Joshua chapter 1, verses 7 through 9. Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. And do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor, di nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And here we find really the key to success. When I was uh, a high schooler, we went on a missions trip to Quebec, uh, Canada, and, uh, and we went, I don't know why exactly, but we went on a bog walk where we, we went and looked at this swamp, basically. And they had these, this little trail where you could go out and see it a little bit, but they also had these trails almost like a maze going all through this bog, um, but, the, but the trails were little two-by-fours that were stuck maybe three feet out of the ground, off, the, off the ground, little two-by-fours, and so that's why Pastor Hall, our youth pastor, told us you have to bring mud clothes, you know, to, to do this because there's a good chance you might fall in, and uh, like a good... Uh, youth group student, I remember to bring mud clothes, but like a typical youth group student, I forgot to bring shoes, and so I didn't want to get muddy. And so I'm seeing all of my friends go way out there and just, just checking out this bog, and, and I see them falling into the mud, and I'm looking down at my shoes thinking, oh, I don't, I don't know if I should try this. But then I see Pastor Hall, and he was just hop, hopping around and skipping, and there were even some parts where the, the two-by-fours were missing, and so people would try and find a different way around, and he would just hop right across. No problem. Incredible balance, right? And he would just hop right across. And, uh, and so I uh, asked him when he came back over, I said, Pastor Hall, what's, what's your secret to success? <laughs> How in the world do you do that without falling into the bog? And he told me something that, that changed the way I looked at the bog, the way I could get through there. And you know what? I followed that one thing he told me. And I was able to hop around. I went all through that place and I never fell in. And in a little bit, I'm going to tell you exactly what that was. But I'm not going to tell you right now. But it was that secret to success that he told me. And it was just a change of focus that helped me understand something. And you know what? It, it affected the way I lived, uh, or not lived my life, but the way I went through the bog. But you know what? Those principles that we find in Joshua 1, 7 through 9 are the same principles that we're going to find will actually help us navigate through this life. It's the secret to success in this life. So what is the key from the verses that we read? Very simple. The key to success is obedience to God's word. Yeah. If, we look at the, if we look at the words again in verse 7, only be strong and very courageous. 
Why? So that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Up to that point, which, which books of the Bible had been written? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the law. So he was talking about all of the written word that they had, and he said, this is what you're to observe. It's obedience to the law. Verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. It's the secret to our success as believers. But why is obedience to God's word so important? There, there are three reasons that I want to look at in the scriptures today, and uh, three reasons why obedience to God's word is, is so important. And the first one is... is, is uh, uh, Went backwards, didn't I? Uh, the first one is this. Our prosperity <coughs> depends on it. Our prosperity depends on it. Let's read verse 7 again. Uh, verse 7 says, Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not, turn to the, to, uh, do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left. So that, why? So that you may prosper wherever you go. You know, there's a lot of churches, a lot of pulpits this morning, because it's Sunday, every Sunday morning there are a lot of churches where they're going to preach prosperity, right? But they mean it in a very different sense. That's not what we're talking about today. What we're talking about today is being prosperous according to God's definition. What I think the world is teaching, and I believe this is a lie, I hate to use such strong language, but it is, that, that prosperity is according to our definition, and God is going to give us prosperity according to our definitions. Right? And so you'll hear, if you, if you turn on the TV Sunday morning, you'll hear preachers telling how, how you can be prosperous. And it usually has nothing to do with obedience to God's word. It usually has something to do with giving offerings to them. Right? It's ironic. The difference is that we find. But you know what? That's, that's us choosing the definitions of prosperous instead of allowing God to choose the definition of prosperous. And I'll tell you, prosperous has nothing to do with checkbooks. It has nothing to do with the possessions that we have. It has nothing to do with any of those things. Is when we prosper in the gifts that God wants to give us. Amen? The things that he wants for us. Character. Loving relationships. A, a church family. Those are the things that are worth so much more than the things that the televangelists are offering us at this very moment. Amen? And so we have to keep in mind that we're looking at, at uh, God's definition. But under God's de definition, he's saying, if you observe the law, if you obey the scripture, if you are grounded in God's word, what's going to happen? You will prosper. You will have success. Uh, goes on to say in verse 8, it says, uh, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous. Again, twice, in two verses, we see that. Uh, that promise repeated. The second reason why I think it's important, uh, why the scriptures tell us it's important to obey is because our, the presence of God in our lives depends on it. Now think about that. We all know, if you've had any systematic theology teaching whatsoever, we know that God is everywhere present. We're not talking about the fact that he's everywhere present, but there's that presence of God in that relational sense. Like when he said with Israel, I will not go with you because of their sin. There's, that sin separates us from the presence of God. Not that he can't observe us, but it's that relational presence of God. And God repeated that promise to Joshua. We read that a week ago. He said that I will go, I will go with you. Uh, we find that uh, uh, repeated again in verse 9. 
says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He repeats that command again, but this time it's in the, in the context that connects it to the obedience to God's word. So God is with you, but you have to be obedient to God's word. And when we're not obedient to God's word, we're disconnecting ourselves from his very presence. Oftentimes I don't think we realize that. And we overlook disobedience because we don't realize that we're separated from the presence of God. The third thing is, uh, is that uh, the protection from God, the, the protection of God depends on it. In fact, if we look, uh, uh, again, last week used the illustration of a rock climber here. I have a picture of a rock climber. I don't know if you can see it too well, but he has a rope connected. Uh, from here it goes up to some gear that's above the picture, and it goes down to, a, to another person then who is holding that. They call that person the belayer, which is, uh, comes from the French word for anchor. So if you're connected to the anchor through a rope, then you have the courage to climb. Right? When you're connected to a rope, and in fact, there are all sorts of climbs that I would attempt with a rope connected to me that I would never attempt without a rope. Right? right? So if you're connected to the anchor, then you have the courage to climb. We are connected to the anchor via obedience to God's word. If you decide to climb without ropes, like this crazy guy right here, is climbing without ropes, is that called courage or is that called foolishness? There's a difference, right? Both might cause you to try the same thing, but courage is a lot wiser than foolishness. And so to, to climb rocks being disconnected, but you know what? We do that all the time in our spiritual lives. We disobey God's word. We don't confess it. We just disobey. We continue in our sins, and we do those things, and it's like, like navigating this life completely disconnected to the Father. And when we disconnect ourselves from Him, we shouldn't have courage to live in this in the in life because it's it's a scary situation and if we really realized that we weren't connected to the anchor it would scare us half to death amen amen and so the promise or the protection of god depends upon our obedience so what does it mean then to be grounded in god's word because that's really what we need to be if you want to have success by god's definition you've got to be grounded in god's word there are two concepts that, that I'm going to look at, in verse, one in verse 7 and one in verse 8, um, and that I think will help us to understand what it really means to be grounded in God's Word. Let's look at the first one, verse 7. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left hand, that you may prosper wherever you go. This, kind of, this idea of uh, do not go to the right hand or to the left hand, to me, I, it gives me the imagery of a tightrope walker. Because what do they have to do? They have to walk a straight line, but what happens if they lean to the right? They're going to fall. And you don't want that to happen, so by nature, what are we going to do? We're going to lean to the left. But what happens if you lean to the left? You fall. And we've got this imagery. Don't go to the right. Don't go to the left. But you have to hold the line. In, uh, in obedience to God's word. It gives us this idea that there are two, two different ways to, to fall. Now this, this imagery that we find in Joshua doesn't start in Joshua. You can go all the way back to Deuteronomy when the law was given. Remember the, the law in Deuteronomy was given for them for, so that they knew how to enter the relationship with God in the new land. And uh, so in Deuteronomy chapter 5 verse uh, 31 we read, but as for you stand here by me 
and I will speak to you all the commands, the statutes, and the judgments which you shall teach them, that they may observe them in the land which I am giving them to possess. Therefore, you shall be careful to do as the Lord your God commanded you. And then here we find the, the phrase, you shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. You shall walk in the ways which the Lord your God has commanded you, that you may live and that it may be well with you, and that you may prolong your days in the land uh, which you shall possess. See this concept that Moses gave them? You can get, these are the laws. Don't go to the right. Don't go to the left. Hold the line. Follow the line. And we find the, uh, the same thing repeated in chapter 17, verse 11, chapter 17, verse 20, chapter 28, 14. We find it really... All, all through scriptures. In fact, you can find it after the book of Joshua. If we, uh, if we were to skip forward to Proverbs 4, 26 to 27, it says, Ponder the path of your feet, and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Remove your foot from evil. And so all through scriptures, we get this idea that there's two ways to fail. You can fall this way, or you can fall this way, and you have to avoid those because you really need to stay on the narrow way. Kind of like walking through a bog, isn't it? On a two-by-four. I think uh, as we look at this, uh, two directions to fail, if this were what I saw, if I were looking at, uh, at this rope, as this guy's obviously tight roping with a, a very high distance, I would be afraid. I would need someone to say, David, be strong and courageous. <laughs> because there are two ways to fail, and failure is not good. Uh, and so you look down, and, and, uh, and really, I, I think the, the, one of the verses that gives me the, probably the clearest understanding of what this means, the two, I, the two ways to fail, comes as we clo really close the canon of the New Testament. In Revelation chapter 22, some of the last words we read in the Bible. We read these words. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. Now we know that this was written specifically for what John had received in the book of Revelation. So he is specifically about that. But I also think it's interesting how this is also at the close of the canon, and that this principle can certainly apply to any scripture, that we're not to add anything to scripture, are we? No. We should never add anything to scripture. We should never take anything away from Scripture. And I think here we find the two different ways we can fall off this tightrope of, of obedience to God's Word. On one end, we have what, uh, what I'll just call libertinism. Uh, libertinism, uh, according to the dictionary, is a quality or state of living for the sake of personal pleasure. Uh, another one said uh, uh, it's a philosophy where you get to pick and choose what you, what you want to obey. Catch that. You get to pick and choose what you want to obey. And, uh, and then one uh, said it's, it's uh, when you are not governed by any outside standard. So this, there's this one idea that we, we'll call it libertinism or licentiousness is a biblical word that we find for it. But it's the idea that I can pick and choose what I'm going to believe. I can pick and choose who my authorities are going to be. I can, in a sense, create God in the image that I want him to be in. Most people would never say that with their words, but guess what? A lot of people do that with their actions. A lot of people create God in their own image with their actions. Um, really, what this is, is this is subtracting from God's word. In fact, uh, Thomas Jefferson, 
are familiar with Thomas Jefferson, he is, uh, there's a popular story about him where he actually took his Bible and the parts he didn't like about it, what did he do? He literally cut them out of his Bible. Cut them out, had a much thinner Bible, but said, this now is my divine authority. Do you understand what that's doing? That's subtracting from God's word. That's not being grounded in God's word because ultimately, when we have the, if we have the right to cut things out of scripture, then, then, then our preferences supersede God's word. And that is not right. That's falling off one direction. When we take things away, our preferences will supersede God's word. I want to give one example just from scripture so that uh, we get a, a clear idea. Let's look at 1 Samuel chapter uh, 15. We'll come back to Joshua, but let's, let's go to now to 1 Samuel, just a couple books over. 1 Samuel chapter 15. And we see God give a command to King Saul. I'll give you a second just to get there. But we see uh, God give, uh, through Samuel, a command to Saul. In verse 2 we read, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he ambushed him on the way when he came up out, uh, from, from Egypt. Now go, attack Amalek, and utterly destroy all that they have, and do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, infant and nursing child, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. So God gave this command to Saul as the king to do what? Utterly destroy the Amalekites. By the way, that's only something that God can, can tell us to do. God is the only one with the sovereignty and the omniscience to know who deserves what. And we have to trust in that. But I, I'll admit, reading that, if I were Saul, there are, there are parts of that that I would struggle with. Have you ever struggled with something that you knew God was telling you to do? Something that you, you could see clearly in God's word? And you thought, ooh, I don't know if I like that. That part doesn't sound right to me. Well, we live in a culture where a lot of the churches are saying, we hear these things and, and, and we see what the Bible says, but you know what? Uh, we just don't like those things. So we either ignore them or we don't call them sin when they're sin. Or, and that's what we find Saul doing. In fact, we look at Saul's what I call partial obedience or uh, selective obedience, I guess you could say. Uh, look, let's skip down to verse 7. And Saul attacked the, Am uh, the Amalekites from Havilah and all the way to Shur, which is east of Egypt. So is that obedient, by the way? That was obedient. He obeyed God in part. Verse 8. He also took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive, and utterly destroyed all the people at the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag, and the best of the sheep, and the oxen, and the fatlings, and the lamb, and all that was good, and were unwilling to utterly destroy them. But everything despised and worthless, that they utterly destroyed. What do you call that? Partial obedience. We don't have the right to pick and choose from God's word. Amen? The things that we agree with, we understand, we obey. That's easy. It's when we sometimes don't understand it. That's when, it, that's when our faith is really put to the test. I, I think of a uh, young, uh, young lady that I talked to uh, a while back who uh, uh, she tried to date several Christian young men and none of them were quality people. She started dating an unsaved guy and we showed her from scripture that you're not supposed to be unequally yoked and so on. And, and she understood what the scripture said but wanted to pick and choose which parts she was going to, to follow. Does that make sense? 
We do, though, we do that so many times in life. But that's not being grounded in God's word. And so that's why we don't have success many times. On the other side of the, the spectrum, we can follow the other direction. Uh, we, can, we can subtract from God's word, but we can also add to God's word. Uh, we call that legalism. We, call that, we find that uh, several times in the, in the scriptures uh, where people will add to God's word. They will raise things that are human-made up to the level of being something from God. The Pharisees are probably the most popular legalists that we find, because um, we find them in the New Testament several times, and Jesus condemns them for this. But what the result of this is that they end up putting their tradition over God's word. By the way, is, is tradition bad? No. In fact, tradition is, is pretty awesome sometimes. Uh, tradition can become bad if we start living or raising it to the level where we're violating God's word, we're violating what God wants us to do because of it. You see, we see the difference, right? When I was, uh, well, almost as, it was as long as I can remember, every Christmas morning as a child, my brothers and I, or actually the night before Christmas, my brothers and I would gather together and we would sleep under the Christmas tree. Remember that? <laughs> and it was a great tradition. And every year we did that. Um, I remember when we went off to college and we, we would come back and we would sleep under the Christmas tree. Yeah. And then my brother Tom got married. And we still came and we slept under the Christmas tree. I remember sleeping under the Christmas tree with two of his kids. You know, there comes a time when even a good tradition sometimes needs to die off. Right? It's a good, you know, you know, I still look back at those with some fond memories, and we, we have some great stories of some of those, those nights and some of the silly things we did. And, but, but you know what? But there comes a time where it's, we need to say, it's time to start some new traditions, maybe preferably with my own wife and our own kids, right? It's just part of, part of life. So there's nothing wrong with traditions. Traditions are wonderful things. Traditions can become wrong when we elevate them to the level of God's Word. Amen? I want to give an example of that. So let's, uh, uh, let's skip way ahead to uh, the New Testament, to Matthew chapter 15. I just want to give us a, a quick example from Matthew chapter 15. Starting in verse 1. It says, Then the scribes and Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus, saying, why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. Let's just stop and think about this question for a moment. The Pharisees are trying to trick Jesus. And they ask, why are the disciples, what's the word it uses? Transgressing. Because they don't wash their hands before they eat bread. Now, by the way, this is not talking about a sanitary issue. We're not talking about washing hands before you eat. That's not really what was going on. I'm fairly certain that the... The apostles had good hygiene. But that's not what they're talking about. What they're talking about is the ceremonial washing. That's the word we find in the, in the original language. And they had to actually wash one hand at a time. You had to wash it this direction, and then you had to wash it this direction. You couldn't touch hands between, and then you had to pour it over this hand, wash this hand, and then do it again this way. And, and uh, that was the ceremonial cleaning, of, uh, washing of the hands that they're talking about. But where do we find that in God's word? You could start from Genesis and go all the way through Malachi, the entire Old Testament, and you will not find that command anywhere in there. You know why? It's not part of God's word. It's part of what they call the Mishnah, a collection of their traditions. 
Now, they had all sorts of reasons, and, and there's nothing wrong with washing your hands that way. In fact, it's a, it's a positive thing. It's a good thing. But they elevated it to the level of God's word. How do we know? Look what they said in verse 1. Um, they said to Jesus, why do your disciples transgress? What does that mean? Sin. You're sinning by not following our traditions. They're sinning. When they call it sin, they're elevating it to the level of God's word, and that ought not be. Amen? Jesus, Jesus uh, always comes, he has the best comebacks, doesn't he? <laughs> Jesus knew how to deal with people who were even trying to trick him. But if you look in verse 3, he answered and said to them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? You're transgressing. You're, you're the ones who are sinning. Not us. Not my disciples. You're sinning against God's commandments by your tradition. I'm sure that caught them off guard. But listen to what he said. And he gives an example. Verse 4. For God commanded, saying, Honor your father and mother. And he who curses his father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, Whoever says to his father or mother, Whatever profit you might have received from me is a gift to God, then he need not honor his father or mother. Thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. What he's referring to here is, uh, uh, well, first in the, in the Old Testament, it talks about honoring your father and mother. That's one of the Ten Commandments. If you read the book of the law, which comes afterwards in, in, uh, in Deuteronomy, it explains each of the Ten Commandments. Part of honoring your father and mother is taking care of them when they're older. I mean, they took care of us when we're little. We take care of them when they're older, right? Roles tend to change over time. I remember when we were kids and my mom would put that in the brakes. And what, what was her natural reaction if someone cut us off? Her natural reaction was to go like this and protect us, right? Now it's our natural reaction to go like that and protect them. Or when we see them carrying things they shouldn't carry, that to, to get on their cases about it. Sorry. <laughs> Couches. It's crazy. But you know what? It's, 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 it's part of God's word. It's obedience to God's word. God's word. It's part of honoring your parents. And so they had all these rules and they had all about honoring your parents. And so if you had the means to do so, it was your job to financially take care of your parents. That was the law. However, in the Mishnah, they had what they call the vow of Corbin. And the vow of Corbin is where you could say, you could take a certain amount of your possessions and you could give it to God, which really meant giving it to the priest. You know what I mean? It's kind of like the televangelist, right? You give it to God and you'll get all this. But they really don't want you to give it to God. They want you to give it to them. And that's what was one of the priests would say, you can give it to us, and we'll let you use it. That way, you can legally say, I don't have enough money to take care of my parents. And then the, the Pharisees and the, and, the, and the priests, they would take their cut off the top, but you basically get to keep everything. And Jesus is saying, you are choosing to disobey the commandment of God to honor your parents by following your tradition. The Pharisees had no response to and that's what we see in verse 7. It begins with Jesus calling them hypocrites. We don't want to be hypocrites, right? We don't want to be hypocrites. Then what we need to do is make sure we don't add anything to the level and make it to the level of God's word. So what does it mean to be grounded in God's word? First concept is very simple. It's that the Bible becomes the supreme authority. It becomes the supreme authority authority in our lives. We don't put it on, a, on, a, on the same level with preferences. We don't put it on the same level as traditions. It must be the supreme authority over everything else. 
Amen. We don't add anything to it. We don't take anything away from it. We let the Bible be the Bible. And that is a key to success. Biblical success. Amen? Amen. Let's look at verse 8. Verse 8 uh, says, if we go all the way back to Joshua. And I lost my spot, so I'm just going to read it from right there. Okay? This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Here we see three things happening with the book of the law. The first part says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. What does that mean? It means it's what we talk about. We fill our heads so much with God's word that it just it, it becomes what we talk about. And oftentimes when we get together, the first thing we talk about might be sports or weather or whatever things that really matter to us, but you can really tell if the Bible matters to someone. Why? Because it just comes out. They're talking about it. It's the type of thing. So we need to be studying God's Word. We need to be listening uh, when, when someone's preaching God's Word from up here. We need to be uh, in the Bible studies. If you have a chance to take some courses, take courses. Why? Because there's a hunger and thirst for God's Word so that it becomes a part of who we are, and it just naturally comes out. That's, that's what it means. That to, for uh, the book of the law, to not depart from our mouth. It, it's really it's getting that information into our head and wanting that information in our head. Then it goes on to say, but you shall meditate in it day and night. You shall meditate in it day and night. Meditation is when, it's more than just putting the information in there. It's dwelling on it. It's chewing on it. It's digesting that information. Making it a part of you. I think too many times our morning devotions consist of, okay, i got to say that I did my devotion today, so I'm, I'm going to read and read and read, okay? Lord, thank you for this day. And we repeat the same prayer that we read every day, close the Bible, and now we live our day as if the Bible had nothing to do with it. But that's really not what meditate means. Meditate, and in fact it says meditate in a day and night, is the type of thing where we're thinking about it throughout the day. Lord, how can I apply this? Oh, did I, did I mess up here, Lord? Oh, I, I confess this today. And then, oh, Lord, and then what I learned yesterday... How can this apply today? And we just start meditating on it. We're chewing on it. Sometimes maybe even waking up at night saying, oh, I just thought of another application of what I've been studying. That's meditating. Meditating is taking the, the, the truth of God's word from the head and it brings it down to the heart because it becomes a part of who you are. And then the third thing that it tells us to do is so that you may observe to do according to all that is written. It's applied. Applied. You know, and you, if you have a lot of Bible knowledge, but it's not applied biblical knowledge, is that really Bible knowledge? In fact, in fact uh, Paul dealt with that people who were proud of their Bible knowledge, and he said, knowledge puffs up. Right? It just puffs people up. But true knowledge, right? What God's talking about is not just head knowledge, but it becomes a heart knowledge. And it actually makes it right out into our hands where we are able to put into practice the things that we learn from God's Word. So the second principle is very very simple. The Bible is put into action. It's not something just for our head. It goes from our head to our heart to our hands. And we, if, that is, if that is the way we put the Bible into action, then God gives us a great promise at the end of, of, uh, of verse 9 here. And he made it to Joshua. But we see how this applies to all of us today. It says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do all that is written in it. And then what's the promise? For then you will make your way prosperous. 
and then you will have good success. I promised you at the beginning that we would see today the key to success. You know what we have. Not because I have a key to success, I can't give that. But God can. And that key is to be grounded in God's word. Amen. You know, when I was uh, when I was in Quebec and we're in that in that fog, Pastor Hall told me very clearly, he said, Dave, here's here's why everybody's falling. So they get, to, they get to the spot, and they see some, maybe a place where it's deeper or muddier than the other side. They look at that, and they think, oh, I definitely don't want to fall there. So what happens? By nature, we tend to lean away. And so they would go on there, and they would lean, and just that little bit of leaning would cause them to fall. And he said, Dave, ignore everything below the board. That's what he told me. Ignore everything below the board. Just focus on the board. And there were, even on the parts where there were gaps, he said, just put your eyes and you focus on that. And he says, don't even think about your legs. Just lean forward and, and go towards that. Your leg will step right where you're staring if you focus only on the board. And you know what? He was right. And I was able to walk all through there, not falling. Why? Because I quit focusing on the mud below and I focused on the board. I believe that's what God is telling Joshua as he's getting ready to conquer the, 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 the promised land with giants and fortified cities. And he's telling him to do all these great things. And he says, keep your eyes on the board. Don't go to the right. Don't go to the left. Don't add anything to God's word. Don't take anything away from God's word. Just focus on obeying God's word. And God will take care of the rest. I, that's my prayer for us as a church as we move forward. There's so many things that God has called us to do in this community. As long as there are unsafe people outside these doors, he's called us to do some great, amazing things. Amen? Amen. And, that, and I, I, am, I am convinced of that. But the only thing that gives me courage is the fact that I'm connected to him. And that you guys are connected to him. And I know that if we follow God's word, nothing more, nothing less, then we're going to have success in everything that God's asked us to do. Success by his definition. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word. Lord, it's convicting, I have, have to admit. Lord, even as I study through this this week, I find things in my life where, where sometimes there's partial obedience, and I confess that to you. Lord, there's other areas in life, too, where, where there are just things that I take for granted, assumptions that I have that might not actually be biblical things, but traditional things, and sometimes I've held them to be too important. That my relationship with my brothers and sisters in Christ can sometimes be less important than my traditions, and Lord, may that not be. And Lord, I pray the same thing for each of us here. Lord, in just a moment as we, as we sing our final song, if there's anyone here that does not know you personally, that maybe they have no idea what this means and what, what it means to be in your presence, I pray, Lord, that they would come forward and talk to me. And if there's more than one, I'll, I'll send them to someone else who can share from God's word how they can know that they have a relationship with and Lord, if there's any here who were convicted like I was this week by studying your word today and seeing areas of preference or tradition or anything that is taking the place of your word, and Lord, I just pray that this would be a time of confession, a time for us to focus on you again, put all those things aside, and let you lead us through your word. And so, Lord, I 
I know it seems odd to pray for success, but Lord, when we pray by your definitions, it's okay. And Lord, I pray for success for this church, for each person here, as we reach this community for you. Let your name be glorified. In Jesus' name.